From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We're, we're going to do a new series over the next uh, number of weeks here. We're going to be looking at some real virtues in a culture of people where you have influencers and politicians and celebrities who are wanting to appear virtuous, the body of Christ is actually called to be virtuous. In a culture that wants to appear like we have virtues, we are actually called to be virtuous. We are, we're called to live by a different set of moral standards than those around us. If you, if you kind of trace the message through the New Testament, there's this idea of being separate from the world, not being, not being like isolated from, but, but just being different, living a different set of life. You look at the book of Ephesians, how we're called to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Peter says to be holy because he is holy. We're reminded that the people of God are to be more like God than they are like culture. And if you know anything about being a person, you know that sometimes that's difficult. Because it's really easy just to get into the rut that is life and culture. But we're called to live by a different set of virtues. And so we're going to hit four virtues over the next little bit. Honor, integrity, perseverance, and gratitude. And today we're going to look at honor. Honor. I heard this statement recently and it stuck with me. Honor in a cancel culture. Showing honor in a cancel culture. Romans, if you have your Bible, turn it to Romans chapter 12, some good stuff in Romans chapter 12, but I just want to highlight one short verse for you. If you remember anything from today, remember this one short verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says this, be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's just ask the Lord one more time to speak. Father, we thank you that we can be here today in your presence. We honor you, God. We glorify you. Lord, we glorify you through song. And now as we turn our attention, God, to your word, we pray that we would honor you and glorify you through hearing and be attentive to the things you want to say. Not the things I'm saying, God, but what you're going to say, Lord, through the Holy Spirit today. So open our ears to hear your words in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we live in a culture that gets offended easily. We get offended easily, am I right? Have you, have you noticed that? We, and this is, this is noticeable in the reactions we have towards the offense, whatever the offense may be. We're, we're quick to judge. We're quick to criticize. We're quick to condemn and cancel anyone who offends us. You notice that? So those of you who haven't been tracking with what cancel culture is, to cancel someone means to effectively shun them from all areas of life because you believe that they've acted unacceptably or said something unacceptably. And there was a time when we did this to, to those who actually deserved it. Maybe politicians or leaders or, or even ministry leaders who acted criminally or had a massive moral failing. 
We held them accountable for those actions. But we've, we've moved past that in our world today. We've moved beyond just the, the big sins to effectively anything at all for any reason and to anyone for at all for any reason. So no longer is it just like those, those leaders that we're holding accountable for criminal action, but it could be a school teacher. It could be a coworker. It could be a friend. It could be a family member, and it could be for something so infinitely small. Someone doesn't like, your family member doesn't like a post. Why aren't they liking my posts? They didn't comment on, on what you shared. Maybe they vote differently than you, or they share opposing views on politics than you. Oh, can't hang out with them anymore. A teacher says something that ruffles some feathers, and so what do we do? We kill their career. You don't deserve to work anymore. Someone tweeted something a decade ago when they were young and foolish and a little bit more sinful than maybe they are a decade later, and we're like, we can't have them in in our midst. Have you noticed that? We're offended easily. And it's easy, church, to point the finger out there to say our culture. But we are offended easily. And we're quick to judge because of it. And we're quick to cancel because of it. Someone once said that we're living in the age of perpetual offense. It's as if we're looking to be offended. We're looking to be offended. And with that, you'll find what you're looking for. I don't know if you've noticed that. Whatever you're looking for, you find. You, you start going to buy a new car and, and you pick out a certain car. All of a sudden, you, you spot that car everywhere. Everybody's driving that car. You didn't know anybody liked that car until you wanted that car. Now everybody's driving it. Whatever you're looking for, you will find. And people today are looking to be offended. And when they're offended, they effectively cancel. Or what I'm going to say today and what we're going to lean towards is we dishonor. And the scriptures and what God calls the people of God to, to do is to be people of honor. To honor in a cancel culture. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. To honor someone else above the level in which I would like to be honored. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? It's so easy to point the finger. It's very difficult to give honor. And I think this is a, a very important and overlooked virtue that matters to God and so should matter to us. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus had just healed a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She'd been suffering for 12 years and no one could help her, no doctor. And so she reached out and touched Jesus and Jesus healed through his power her life. And then from there, he turned and he did something even incredibly more miraculous. A young child had died, and he raised the child from the dead. That's astonishing. That's, that's something if we saw in our community or we saw in our world, we'd, we'd draw attention to. Whoa, this is, even though we believe in resurrection, we believed in, in raised life, we would draw our attention to that. So Jesus did these miraculous things, and then from there, he goes to his hometown. He goes to the place where he grew up in Nazareth, the place where maybe he played I don't know, I try to imagine Jesus as a kid, right? Like playing kickball with the friends or hide and go seek in the fields. 
Like, did Jesus play? I think he did, right? I think Jesus did those things. I think he was pretty good at those things. I think he was the guy who started those things. I think he's like, guys, come on. I'm going to show you something new. It's called kickball. It's kind of like baseball. What's baseball? I don't know, but it's going to be great, you know, hundreds of years from now. Just wait. But what we're going to do is we're going to kick this ball. We're going to run. We're going to have fun because Jesus is fun. But Jesus went to his hometown, and this is what happened. The people of God or the people, the Jews, were in his hometown. We're looking for a Messiah, much like anyone else. And so the Messiah shows up, but they look, quite, they look right past him. And instead of bringing honor to him, they do quite the opposite. So here's what it says in, in Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get his teaching? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him. What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Now listen, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. He was without honor. Now that term there, without honor, it's not just Jesus kind of being a little upset, the fact that they're not giving him a little bit of glory. He's not saying like, you should be acknowledging who I am right now. It's not a neutral statement. It's not that they're just like, oh, there's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, remember when we played kickball growing up? The phrase here actually that, that Mark is using means to dishonor. It means to despise. One commentator said this, it means to treat as common or ordinary. There's nothing special about you. Nothing good about you. I shouldn't expect anything from the carpenter. This is Mary's boy. Who does he think he is? Coming in here with all these miracles. Where did he get that from? He must have picked it up somewhere. Is this sorcery? Because this is just Jesus. To dishonor. Whereas the word honor in Romans chapter 12 means to highly value, to esteem, to treat as precious. What does honor do? Honor cherishes. Honor builds up. Honor encourages. Honor believes the best about someone. Whereas dishonor treats like common, nothing special. It tears down. It belittles. It criticizes. It devalues it assumes the worst. Think of a relationship when two people maybe first meet, they fall in love, they like each other. What do they do? They cherish one another. They encourage one another, constantly complimenting one another, bragging about each other, doting on one another. You know what I mean? And then maybe as they, they you know, get married and, and they kind of just get set and then all of a sudden they just get a little relaxed and the relationship comes a little bit more calm and, and then eventually it moves from this cherished relationship to, to something like this. Instead of honoring, they look to each other as ordinary. Maybe a spouse comes home and looks at the other one and says, what did you do all day? I've been working all day. What did you do? I've been doing all this. You've just been out relaxing. I've been, do I've been marrying a paycheck. I've been taking care of 15 million children. Seems like in my home we got a lot. <laughs> we just keep adding, adding the numbers. <laughs> They highlight the faults. 
They, they point out the shortcomings instead of celebrating one another. They're looking for the offense. And what is the outcome of all this? Our words have weight and power, the scriptures say. They have the ability to tear down or lift up. In fact, if you look into biology, you can actually see on a biological level what words will do to someone. The more you dishonor someone, the more dishonorable they become. And the more of a dishonorable person you become. Whereas the more you honor someone, the more honorable they become. Because it lifts up, it encourages. The more honorable you become. Yet our culture will teach us that someone is only worthy of honor if they earn it by their actions. You got, I'll give you honor once you earn it. I'll show you honor once you become honorable. Isn't that a critical statement? Isn't that a dishonorable statement? That's, that's very belittling. I'll give you honor when you're worthy of it. What are you effectively saying? You are not worthy of honor. Who are you? You're nothing special. Our culture will say you have to earn honor, where in the kingdom of God, it says to give honor, just to give it. It's not just merited. Yes, we can honor someone who's, who merits it by their actions, but it's not just merited. It's given because of someone's intrinsic value. Honor builds up, dishonor tears down. Think about that. What happens to you when somebody honors you? You feel good, right? You feel blessed. You start to see something in you that you didn't see before. You're empowered. And what happens when you're dishonored? You feel less than. You feel bad about yourself. You're hurt. You feel you can get depressed. You are disempowered. So Jesus is dishonored in his hometown. They took offense at him and they attempt to cancel him. He's not the Messiah. He's nothing special. This is just the carpenter. He made me a chair six months ago for my house. Yeah, he framed my home. Who's he? It's just a tradesman. It's nothing special. They were looking for reasons to be offended and so dishonored him. And here's what the result was in verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Let me repeat that. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. It does not say that he would not. It says that he could not. And what does that even mean, he could not? Like, he just healed someone who had an issue of blood for 12 years. He just raised a kid from the dead. Like, he's not without ability. He has power. What does it mean? And, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. What does it mean he could not? Like, this is Jesus. He's God incarnate. He can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God, right? And here it's saying that their lack of faith put his power in a holding pattern. It's not that Jesus was upset. It's not that he took offense by their offense. He's not like, since you're not honoring me, I'm not going to honor you. I'm only going to heal a few people. He's not taking offense here. It says he could not. Their lack of honor limited what Jesus could do. He says a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Their lack of honor limited what Jesus could do. What could he have done in his hometown? 
Like Jesus growing up in Nazareth probably knew some people who needed touched, right? He probably knew some families that needed a miracle. Maybe there was a, an elderly lady who helped Mary, his mother, you know, raise him and, and make some meals and watch him when he was like six years old. And, you know, Mary had to go attend to something. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to get back there. I'm going to bless her. Like, what could Jesus have done? What miracles could he have performed? What blessings? In your life, what miracles do you want God to perform? What blessings are you looking for? What prayers are you hoping that God will answer, but you're not receiving because you lack honor? Could it be that your lack of honor is putting God's power and blessing over your life in a holding pattern? Because when you honor others, you honor Jesus. Why? Because the scriptures, he calls us to be people of honor. He says, honor one another above yourself. So when you show honor, you're actually being obedient to God. You're honoring God when you honor others. And we could, we could say in a way that that releases the blessing of God on someone's life. Think about it. When you honor somebody, what does it do? It makes them feel good. How much does a kind word change your day? Someone calls you up, has a word of encouragement, and it just changes your countenance. It blesses them, right? In a way, it's miraculous sometimes. Because it can lift somebody out of some, like, some deep, deep, dark depression. What blessings are we not receiving because we lack honor? What miracles are we not seeing because we are walking in the way of a culture that cancels and is offended as opposed to walking in the way of Christ that is honoring above all else? Honor one another, the scriptures say, above yourselves. The ESV translation says it this way. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's like a competition. We should be fighting for the bill at the restaurant. No, I got this. No, I got, no, I'm paying for this. Here's my money. Blessing one another. Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown because the people were dishonoring. They couldn't see the value in Jesus. What miracles could be happening in and around our lives if we just stepped into a place of honor and honored God and honored others? You want, you want a common marriage? Then be someone that dishonors your spouse. Complain about them. Talk about them behind their back. Point out their faults. Belittle them constantly. And you will have a common marriage. You want a blessed marriage? You want a flourishing marriage? Honor your spouse. Compliment them. Serve them. Lift them up. Go out of your way to dote on them. Support them. Treat them as treasure. You want an ordinary job? Complain about your boss. Point out the faults in your coworkers. Like it's one thing to, to come alongside someone and say, hey, there's a mistake here in the work. We need to correct this. It's another thing to belittle someone because of their work. You want a blessed workplace? Then be a person of honor. Support and celebrate your coworkers. Serve them, help them, go out of your way. You want your kids to, to fall short in life? You want them to struggle? Then dishonor them. Be critical. Put them down. 
Point out their faults constantly. You want them to flourish? Honor them. Praise them. Support them. Dote on them. Treat them as treasure, and they will become like treasure. Honor builds up. Dishonor tears down. Honor esteems. Dishonor belittles. Honor cherishes. Dishonor criticizes. So let me give you five places and people that we're called to honor. Number one is we're called to honor God. Psalms 29 verse 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crop. 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, For those who honor me, God says, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are called through the scripture to honor our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our savior. We're to honor God with our money. The first fruits of what come in, the scriptures say, give back to the Lord. It acknowledges and worships worships him as a way of saying, you gave it all, you provide it all. So here it is. We return back to the storehouse. We honor him with our bodies. They are holy because they've been bought with a price. Therefore, for those that are in Jesus, followers of Christ, the body of Christ, there are things that we won't do with our bodies. Places we won't go. Because this was bought with a price. It is holy. There's things I will do that others won't do. Because this is holy. It was bought with a price. We honor God with our worship. We don't just pay him lip service. Please don't just sing a song because we're singing. Unless you like to just sing, then. But don't just pay him lip service. We actually worship God, not just through song, but by letting our lives, when we walk out these doors and we go to our workplace and we go to our home, be a reflection of the fact that we recognize that he has done everything for us. And so we honor him with our lives. That is worship. We honor God. Number two is we honor our parents. And let me speak to kids of all ages. This is not just for children, okay? Some parents may be like, get ready, child. Here, you need to hear this. This is some, I think even more so might be for adults with older children. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. That means we show respect to the grumpy old man that is your father. That means you show respect to the parents who have God-given authority to raise you. Well, you don't know my parents. I don't. But you notice that he doesn't say, honor your father and mother if they're worthy of honor. Honor your father and mother if they're really good parents. Like, we don't honor people because they're honorable. We honor them because we're called to honor. So I, I, I show my parents respect, not because of who they are and what they've done. Maybe that's part of it. But for many of us, maybe that's not part of it. But I honor them because of him. And I choose to be a person of honor. So I see the value in them. And I choose to serve them. Because they were created in the image of God. Number three is I honor those in authority. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And let me just talk to somebody here before your brain shuts off and you say, oh, oh, no way. 
the authorities are not worthy. You know, there's times in my life where I don't agree with those in authority. I don't agree with policies. I don't align with the leaders. There's been a lot of times. There was a time in my life where I didn't align with any leader. I just felt none represented me very well. But again, I don't honor because they're honorable. What this is saying is not submit to them as lords over your life. It doesn't say submit to the governing authorities because they are the Messiah to you and your nation. Being subject to doesn't mean you can't disagree. It doesn't mean you can't protest. It doesn't even mean in certain circumstances you can't rebel. What it actually means is you're recognizing their God-given authority to and right to bear the sword. Like they have the right to bear the sword. So even if the the policy or the rule leads you to quietly rebel in Jesus' name, you are subject to the punishment, right? Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the, the golden statue that was raised in the Babylonian empire. The whole empire was called to worship it. They're like, no, not happening. Three guys out of millions of people, no, not happening. They rebelled against the authority. But do you know what? They, they subjected themselves to the authority. Because the authority took them and threw them in a blazing fire. That's what it means. David, King David. Right? Remember David and Goliath? When Saul was king, Saul's policies, more or less, were life-threatening to David. And so what did David do? Because Saul wanted to kill David. David ran. He ran from the king. But he still subjected himself to the king. There was a time in David's life when him and his men could have took out Saul. It was a moment. Like, this is the moment. This is the sniper moment. I got a shot. Let's take it. And what did David do? He stopped his men. He said, far be it for me to touch the Lord's anointed. Even when the Lord's anointed wasn't acting in the anointing. We are to subject ourselves and honor those in authority. Number four, is honor our spiritual leaders. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Hold on. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those who preach and teach. Now, I don't share this for me, okay? I don't do this for me. I'm doing this for you, so I'm going to deflect here. I want you to think about people in and around your life who are spiritual authorities. Pastor Zoe, who you drop your kids and grandkids off to. And the, and the team that's back there right now, the students that are back there that are teaching children, who are the life group leaders that, that come alongside of you in your spiritual growth and journey? The board of directors, honor them, dote on them, celebrate them, pray for them, support them. God put them in your life in this season for a reason. And maybe that season is long, maybe that season is short. Who are the spiritual mentors around you? Honor God for their lives. And number five, finally, it's each other. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Honor one another above yourselves. Outdo one another in showing honor. Treat the other as precious. Bless somebody. Celebrate someone. Brag about someone. Again, fight for the bill at the restaurant. Honor each other. You want to honor God. You want to be a person who, who actually walks in an honorable way before God than honor people. Honor people because his name is on them. 
His name is on them. He, they are made in his image. Did you know that you know something about every single person that you meet? And it has nothing to do with ethnicity and religion and background and gender. It has nothing to do with any of that. You know something about every single person you meet because they are created in the image of God. And that alone, regardless of all their actions, is worth honoring. I honor you, not because of you, but because of him. And I honor you, not because of your actions, but because of him. I honor you because what is on your life is the image of Christ. Is the image of God. You were created in the image of God. You are worth something. You have value. You are a treasure. Listen, nothing about our lives was worthy of Jesus coming and dying on the cross. He's not like, wow, these people are so good. I'm going to come and, and pave a way where they already paved a way. They are sinless. They are matchless. Look at these people. Let's go down and be with them. No. He counted you worthy because you are his creation. And he loves you. And so he came down and came a man to die on the cross in your place while you're still sinning. He honored you. You're not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of the cross. I've done nothing in my life that is worthy of Jesus hanging on the cross for my sins. But while I was still sinning and dead in my sin, he says, I see intrinsic worth in you and I see value in you because you are made in my image. And so I'm going to come down and pave a way. That is honorable, church. And therefore, the people of God should reflect and imitate Christ who did not look at our actions and our life and say, you are worthy. He said, I'm coming and honoring you and I'm paving a way for you. Therefore, we should do the same. And when we don't, when we act in a dishonorable way, we are not reflecting Christ. We are reflecting culture. We are reflecting the world. We are reflecting sin. We are a mirror to Satan as opposed to a mirror of Jesus. And listen, it is really hard to honor people who are not worthy of honor. It's incredibly difficult. And do you know what? Maybe in ways... You still got to do things because you got to set boundaries and you got to, well, you know, they, they've done some pretty bad stuff and they need to be held accountable. Absolutely, of course. And we can't interact the same way we used to because of whatever they, okay, of course, I'm not saying that. But it doesn't mean that we can't show honor. It doesn't mean we can't look inside of them and say, I see the image of God. I see that you're a treasure. Yes, we need to set up some boundaries right now. And we need to create some space. And hey, maybe you can't be friends, right? You're not going to be buddy buddies and go bowling on the weekend. But you can still love. And I think that is the test of someone who is truly walking in the Spirit is can we love our enemies? Right? What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. What? Honor them. Celebrate them. It doesn't mean you give them full access to your life. It just means you don't belittle them, criticize them, judge them, and cancel them. Our world right now 
is on a train called cancel culture. You offend me, you're out. For Christ is calling us to get off that train. Because we've offended God and we offend him every day. Yet he looks at us and says, I love you. And I died for you. And when God looks at you, the Heavenly Father looks at you in Christ Jesus, he no longer sees the offense. He sees his son. He says, I look past that because of what I did on the cross. So could you be someone today that chooses to look past the offense? Could you be someone that lets it go? Because notice the offense isn't on the offender. It's on us, right? Like we're taking it. I don't have to take it. You can be offensive all you want. I don't have to receive that. I'm going to high five you after. Let's go eat a meal. Yeah, you're not, you're not really a really nice person, but I'm not going to take that because I don't want to live with that. I don't want to live with that chip on my shoulder. I don't want to live constantly looking for the wrong in somebody. I'm going to choose to honor. And you know what? If I can't see any, like, man, I can't see any here. I'm going to choose to see the image of God. Because Jesus chose to see the image of God in me when he died on the cross. Far be it for me to be anything different than Jesus. If God can do it, we should do it. But here's the kicker. We can't do it without him. We can't do this without him. We can't love our enemies. We can't honor those who are not worthy of honor without him. Honoring, honoring our nation's leaders and, and authorities, honoring spiritual leaders that maybe we don't agree with. Honoring coworkers and bosses. Like we need the spirit of God to help us. There's a problem sometimes in the church world. I'm going to come to a close in a moment here, but there's a problem in the church world when we effectively say that I can do things because we can't. The scripture is not, I can do all things. The scripture is like, I can do all things in Christ Jesus. There, do you know that in the scripture, there is no scripture that says that God will not give you anything that you can't handle? That's not in the Bible. It's on Facebook. It is. It's on the, it's on the, the holy scriptures of Facebook. But the scriptures say that God does not give you anything that you can't handle. It says that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will give you a way out. Here's what I think. that Sometimes life is beyond what I can handle. Because in those moments, I have to choose to lean into the spirit and to lean into God because I don't have the strength. And so I look at people in my life that he says, honor them. I'm like, I can't. He says, honor them. But look what they did. He says, honor them. But they're full of sin and they've hurt my family. Honor them. I need you to do this for me. I need help. Yes, you do. Jesus, fill me with your spirit and fill me with strength to be a person of honor and choosing to honor someone not because they are honorable, but choosing to honor someone because I want to be an honorable person. The message of Romans chapter 12, what does it say? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't do the cancel culture thing. Do the Christ-like thing who got down from the throne, became a man, and hung on a cross, not because you were worthy of it, because he loved you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this is so much easier said than done.
Lord, and that doesn't mean that we walk out these doors and we just let everybody into our heart and our world. But I pray, God, that you would give us the strength to see intrinsic value in each and every single person, especially those that maybe we deem as unhonorable. Help us to choose to be people of honor, that we could release the blessing and miracles that you have waiting for us in and around our lives. Help us to be people of honor so that we can effectively, God, build up someone and take someone from those dishonorable places to a place of honor. I pray that we would be vessels, God, for your spirit's power to move in and around our lives. We cannot do this without you. We need you. We need your power. We need your strength. So every person, God, within the sound of my voice today, in the room right now, those listening online and maybe those who listen later, I pray in Jesus' name, would you fill us with your spirit and ability to do the honorable thing. For those, God, who are here today, and maybe they have yet to make that decision to follow you as Lord and Savior of their life. They have not made that decision. I pray today would be the day. I pray today would be the day of salvation, God, that they would choose in their heart, that you would open their eyes to the truth of who you are. They would recognize their need for you, and they would say, I'm a sinner, and I repent. Come into my life, Jesus. I need you. You know those people, God. God, for those relationships that have been ruined because of dishonor, I pray in the name of Jesus that that you would instill and inject your spirit's power to reconcile those relationships, to give one or both parties, God, the ability to honor the other and see the value and therefore make the decisions and choose the actions that are in line with that. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for making a way us, even though we were unworthy. We praise you. We bless your name, Jesus. We honor you. We honor you, Father, above every other name. We are here today because of you. And so we give you glory and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said with me, amen, amen. So listen, when you walk out these doors today and you see posts and you, and you encounter people and, and you're tempted to fall into the cancel train, Remember that the scriptures say in Romans chapter 12 to honor one another. Walk that path instead. And maybe you'll see the, the blessings and the miracles that you've been praying for, hoping for happening around your life. Hey, God bless you. Prayer this Saturday night, 6.30. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church